Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, just a little postscript for you, dear listeners. Um, when we closed last night's phone call between Aaron, Michael and myself, the news was breaking online that Damien Egan, Mayor of Lewisham, um, had actually signed a document withdrawing the conditional land sale for the Dens car park and also the compulsory purchase orders associated with it, which has been the, the, the nub of the battle for the Den over these past three years. So... Um, this follows a lot of um, shuttle diplomacy, I suppose you'd call it, between Millwall FC, Renewal, the um, the villainous developers who are planning to take land that would force us away from Bermondsey, probably out to the uh, you know the the Neverworld of Kent, uh, some shopping centre style football stadium, Ebbs Fleet, Dartford, you know the rest of it. Um, so basically, Damien Egan signed documents last night in Lewisham to withdraw the threat to our football ground effectively because although it was only the car park the club did have and does have plans to redevelop the area which would secure uh, our club's future in Bermondsey so to put this in a nutshell we won it how about that people power football fan power teamed up with some fantastic support from Barney Rona and the Guardian which led on to other coverage international coverage at one point in the height of the campaign we went for that election campaign uh, the social media battle that took place with the AMS, Mickey Simpson. I want to name check Mickey Simpson, Barney Roney, and one mystery man that many of you won't know, but was actually critical to the to the battle, which was our our uh, who was our financial forensic financial investigator, produced all those documents that enabled us to hit so hard, so regularly on the old regime of Lewisham Council. So hats off to those that have made this happen. Um, on our side, Barney, Mickey, Al, Councillor Hall, who was within Lewisham Council's um, remit and, uh, you know, supported us all through. Many others within the council, within the, the unions at Lewisham and others who we, won't, we can't name because people have jobs and livelihoods. So you'll appreciate that we're not going to go any further than with that. I hope you understand that. And also to all of those who supported us online, that's you probably, dear listener because this was a battle that looked very, very grim when I got involved in it in 2016. I really didn't think we'd, we'd do any more than mount an honourable Custer's last stand at the Little Big Horn. We put up a fight, but I couldn't see how we could win it. But there you are, some battles, you win just because you don't give up. 
let that be a lesson to us all. People can change things if they work together. And that's what happened with the Battle of the Den. Millwall Football Club has a massive opportunity now, won by its fans. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. We had a lot of support from the media and from councillors and, and politicians across all the parties. But Millwall Football Club now has a chance to secure its financial future in Bermondsey, in the place that we all regard as our spiritual home, as a result of the efforts of its much maligned, much um, despised fan base. That's you, dear listener, because without that support, nothing would have happened and the football club would probably be kicking off now at the Ebbsfleet Shopping Centre Stadium or some abomination like that. So this it's all been done a bit on the hoof because, as I say, this news broke last night, so I've recorded this very much, um, you know, without any scripting. I just want to say thank you to you all. Thank you to all the chaps that were involved in the campaign. We won. Good evening, welcome to Acton Millwall on your Thursday night. This is the real Millwall fan show with myself, Aaron. And joining me this week, well, that's a big old sign. We they won we, as Nick <laughs> the daddy. That is Nick Hart, poor Hollywood lookalike. Uh, back in the building. Um, Nick, how are you, pal? I'm good, Aaron. Actually, that was a big sign. I've got to keep remember. I bought myself a listeners will need to know. I have a set of headphones for a microphone. It, it seems to record every breath I take as a police song, isn't it? And I've got whenever I do let out a sight, it seems to pick it up quite quite nicely. So I've got to try and keep my um, my demeanour upbeat, haven't I? After that after that great win last weekend, raised yeah, everyone's yeah. spirits. <laughs> Definitely, and uh, we've got our own hybrid version. He's a cross between David Dimbleby and Dale Winton. He is our supermarket. <laughs> we've got the bargain hunter himself, Mr. Mickey Avery. You're right, pal. I'm surrounded by inflatables, and I'm down the aisle. <laughs> uh, just on a side note, Mickey, I did visit the club shop on Saturday, and and, and yeah, I couldn't find the shorts I wanted. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll leave that one as it is. Uh, we're going to be looking back um, this evening at Millwall's two-one win over Leeds United. Of course, managerial chat continues. We're going to be, I'd say, sort of like summing up and recapping on what we talked about last week because last week, yeah, I re-listened to our pod last week, and it was just a bit of a giant free-for-all because. I think, obviously, with sort of raw emotion at the fact that Neil Harris resigned sort of 10 minutes before we um, we, we, we we went on air, if you like, um, it, it maybe sort of, you know, brought out different ideas and whatnot. But a week has gone past. Millwall have picked up three points. We've spoken to Adam Barrett, both you and I, Nick, and, and what, a, what a brilliant guy he is. But let's just sum up Saturday, Nick. Millwall 2 leads one. What a massive, massive win that was, really, because... Um, you know, obviously there had been a weight on the the, the club's shoulders um, since August. We hadn't won at all, and it was a win that was badly needed. It's just such a shame, and I I, I don't know what you think, Michael, but I think it's just a, such a shame that this win, which was a kind of a classic Neil Harris win in many respects, um, perhaps only the attacking substitution towards the end, rather than a defensive substitution, was anything different to what we would have produced on a on a classic Neil Harris versus Leeds United match day. That was 
you know, we, we, we had a stroke of luck, if you want, with the penalty, because I think subsequently the red card has been rescinded by the by the Football League for the uh, for the, the Leeds defender. So you can argue as a slight touch of luck. Was it was it now to win that penalty? Was it luck? Who knows? But anyway, there it was. We've got a goal ahead. And of course, then the crowd come into play for what is always a, a great pantomime occasion, the visit of Leeds United. And the rest is, you know, the rest almost wrote itself, really. And I just find it such a shame that Neil couldn't find that performance, the players playing with the freedom. And, and you know, we, we watched, um, we all watched, uh, I know we all have our different ideas on who was man of the match, but we've watched Tom Bradshaw perform out of his skin, Jed Wallace playing with freedom that we haven't seen from a Millwall um, winger stroke in the central midfield for a long time. And it all, the, the squad that Neil had, put together during the course of the summertime finally clicked the day after he left and I, I, there's there's something ironic in that well that and that and i mean halloween is in a couple of weeks time but the den <laughs> turned into a cursed hellhole and uh, <laughs> we're able to shit out the penalty i mean from from our point of view mike where we were sitting on that what second or third row um, you know, on the on, on the top deck, it seemed like a penalty, but didn't quite have the luxury of the reverse angle. Um, and 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 it turns out, you know, there was a bit of what's the word? Acting? Do you want to call it acting? What do you want? To, what do we call it? Um, you know, sort of games. A blight and foul. There was there was contact. There was I believe there was contact. <laughs> But he probably wouldn't step too far. Barardi so. is known. Gaetano Barardi for Leeds is, is known as someone who's a bit hot-tempered, someone who can, you know, who's, who's, who will chuck it about a bit. So whether Tom Bradshaw knows that from it from his time up north and, and knows, you know, I might be able to get something here or not, then, you know, that, that's, that's let him. Let him if he does. I mean, you know, he, he won the penalty and it was emphatically, emphatically smashed Beautifully, out. beautifully put away. Yeah, on the on the subject of the penalty and the red card and all, all that that comes with it. Now the rule obviously changed this season. I think it was this season or last, wasn't it? Where basically the you can't do the double jeopardy, so you can't get the penalty and the red card unless it's a deliberate attempt to stop play. Now right. was the red card rescinded because everyone thought it was a simulation, or because they thought it was an accidental challenge that made contact? Because 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 there because there you've got the red card rescinded, but you're still acknowledging it's a foul. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to check further. I mean, all I saw was... Sorry the, to put you on the spot there, mate. <laughs> no, I, 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 mean, I don't know the answer to the question, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I presume that um, it was a red card given... Um, well, the red card was rescinded because it was felt to be an accidental contact. There was contact, albeit mm. maybe marginal. Maybe Tom Bradshaw has gone a step further in, in very slow motion. I mean, in real time, in, when we were sitting in the, in the, in, in, in the West Upper... Um, I thought it was a penalty in real time. I, I, I think I said on the on, yeah, on, the, so on the show, penalty. You know that 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 looked clear cut. Um, with the benefit of super slow motion, you can see that he's gone a step too far, perhaps before he's gone down. Um, but that's football. I mean, I I I, I don't begrudge Leeds having the, the red card rescinded. I, I don't know the answer to your question. I guess it would be because it was felt to be an accidental contact, and then he's gone over. I don't think that was simulation. I just think he was the momentum took him forward and then down. Uh, he's, that's that's the game, isn't it? That, that's... Maybe it was momentum. Whatever it was, it was it was a brilliant finish and a and a, a brilliant goal to put Millwall one 0 up. Um, you know, I, I've watched a bit of Leeds this season. I've watched a bit of Bielsa. 
Mm. I'll tell you something. They they don't look great. And rumors flying around today that he's up, his head's on the block. You know that that they're, they're looking at, you know, potentially disposing of of, of Bielsa services. What did you make of Leeds in that first half? I mean, they, they were they weren't great. They were poor. Well, I, I I mean they were down to ten men, so there there is that factor. But that said, they they passed the ball around like. We see, we've seen in the cup with um, Premier League teams that have gone to 10 men, they still pass the ball very well. They still pass and move. What they didn't do was carve out any clear-cut chances. And that's, you know, that, that's that's the mill-to-the-mill defence's credit. Um, so they, they, they looked good probably in areas, for me as an onlooker, they looked good in areas where it didn't matter terribly much. So you can pass the ball around, moving it from, from wing to wing. But if they weren't attacking that final third, which they weren't, then I don't know how many shots on goal they had. There couldn't have been that many. And I know that in the second half, um, you know, the goalkeeper was barely barely bothered by by, by, um, by Leeds. So, you know, I, I think I wonder sometimes with, with Bielsa uh, and, you know, I don't follow Leeds regularly, but I do wonder whether there's this almost hero worship up there of him because he's he's, he's got this kind of intellectual, professorial kind of look about him. And he's there's this idea that we worship the... The the, the the foreign, the the, 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 the the beautiful passing game, when actually, um, well, they're what, fifth in the table now, um, behind Preston and Swansea. And, you know, maybe he's not such a genius as, as everyone makes him out to be. That's mm-hmm. what I took away from the game. I, I, I think personally, and, and, and go with this one um, before you start chuckling, it's sort of, it's sort of that sort of like Rocky two. Um, feels okay. that, you know, you know, Leeds were the Apollo Creed who just glided around them and graceful and, and looked apart. Yeah. But we, we were the dogged, determined, got our head down and got stuck in. I remember saying to you, Nick, a number of times that I, I actually thought Leeds had, had a very good game. I thought that with 11 men, it could have been a completely different story because there was a number of times within two to three passes, and I'm not talking hoofball, I'm talking well-directed long ball play. They got the ball from their... their back four to like a winger at times or like that attacking midfield role whereas it took Millwall kicking, screaming, punching, biting to make the same sort of ground not that what Millwall was doing was wrong it was just playing to our strengths I I, I don't agree Aaron if totally honest that I thought that Leeds were poor I thought they were, they were actually very good as much as it pains me to say I just think defensively we that's, were very that's, good. That's, that's, obviously, it's, it's all to do with opinion, but with all oh, due, no, I agree. with all due respect, Mickey, when you get one shot on target, you create, create, create. They, they rely on Bamford too much. Let's be mm. fair; they rely on Bamford too much. Helder Costa was supposed to be the answer. They brought him in from um, from, from Wolves in the summer, and Ketia, mate, you put that kid on at the den. I'm sorry, you put him on at Ellen Road in front of 35,000 screaming Leeds fans and 40,000 Leeds fans. Yeah, he, he'll, he'll be brilliant. But put him on at the den and they'll eat him up. And I think, you know, you look at how how Millwall worked from that back line to the midfield. It was absolutely brilliant. They just marshaled it completely. I think the only time they got caught out was for the goal. That was literally cold, dead cold at the start of the second half. Yeah. yeah, cold start, cold start completely. You know, the old glow plugs weren't going. You know, sorry for the pun, <laughs> Harry, but yeah, um, it's you know, it's interesting. I mean, I remember in the last great. sorry, in the last the last days of Neil Harris's um, tenure, um, I've said this, so I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of um, nailing myself up here really because we were saying how you can't concede large amounts of possession in this division and expect to win. And I, I remember saying this, I hope listeners will remember me saying this 
last show, couple of shows before, perhaps. I, I, I don't know which one. But yet, there it is. We beat Leeds convincingly. Um, you're right, Aaron. One shot on target from Leeds uh, to seven shots on target from Millwall. Um, and that's on possession, which I was knocking Le- uh, Neil Harris on. Um, possession of, for Leeds of 68% of the ball and 32% for Millwall. Um, so, and five shots off target, 12 shots off target for us. So, yeah, um, it's maybe I don't know much about football. <laughs> Maybe. I think I think I've had a I think I've had a crisis. Uh, it, it's it just I think it's the it's the instructions to play in the final third that's where it, that's where the game counts, doesn't it? It's um, mm. um I, I remember years ago, and I, I remember um, when English football went through one of its periodic crises of conscience. And this must be going back to the late eighties, early nineties. There was this idea that the the continentals, which would be the French, Germans, Italian, Spanish, and the rest, played possession football. They passed it. And therefore, they were brilliant. And our players, by contrast, were, were kind of lumpen 4-4-2, hit it long. And there was a yeah. study made by the FA, and I can't remember the name of the um, Charles something or other. It was like an FA um, uh, tactician of, an, of the old school who actually advocated the long ball, played well, played to a, a, a good target man and knocked down as the quickest way that you got your ball into the, the final third of the of the opposition's um, penalty area. And this was held to be regressive dinosaur thinking of the old, you know, everything that was wrong with English football. Um, I, I can't remember the chap's name, Charles something. Our listeners might know it. It was, it was a study made and he, he'd analysed football to show that if you played sufficiently, sufficient numbers of well-played uh, longer balls, crosses in from the wings to a target man, you would get more goals than if you played uh, what we now would now call tic-tac possession-based football. Um, and it's just interesting because in a, in a way, uh, last Saturday's game, where Mill played played their, their style to the, to the maximum, high adrenaline, tackling from the front all the way back. I mean, the, the, the quality of the tackling that we, we showed from the front line through the midfield was, was top, top draw. But it shows 32%, and we had seven shots on target. Um, to Leeds, 68% possession, just one shot on target. There it is. It's, it, going back to Bielsa, he, he couldn't handle it there. He didn't know what to do with that that kind of approach. No, I mean, there's that video that's been put out of all him and his coaching staff telling one player to move forward and back and all that, and you just see Barrett just going, fucking give it some. On one side, it's absolutely brilliant. Magnificent performance. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to say, I mean, some standout performers. Nick, you turned around on Saturday and said that you couldn't pick anyone out. I thought Ben Thompson no. playing sort of as the second striker in the hole was absolutely fantastic. Just linked up well and show, showed his quality. Malumbi was great. Um, shame about Ryan Leonard, obviously, with the injury. But I think Williams came on and just did his job very, very well. Yep. Bradshaw up top, absolutely fantastic. And a great finish. We didn't mention the goal. Really good finish with the second goal. Top class finish. I think that second, the finish for the second goal, I don't know what you think, Michael. I thought it was, you know, I don't say it lightly, I thought it was a world class finish. To get the, the cross coming in from the from the left from uh, Ferguson and to get the foot in just on the angle to kind of guide it in towards the, the right hand post. If, you know, if, if you'd seen that in Syria, oh, you'd say there's the quality of the Italian forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what they do for a living. And there it was, Tom Bradshaw yeah. at the end. Quality, quality mm-hmm. finish, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's um, and and as we've said that that's a goalkeeper who was at Real Madrid, you know, regardless of yeah. games, regardless of family games, he's he's trained with some of the best players in the entire world, you know, he's 
he's used to pressure, he's used to big games, he's used to not being intimidated. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the goal intimidated him by any means, but, you know, just a keeper of that quality. And he's beaten so easily by such a, because the touch was so good. It, it was just a phenomenal goal. And as this you say, Nick, if, if that was any, if that was a Sergio Aguero, that would be talked about for years. If that was a Cristiano Ronaldo, that'd be up there as a Ballon d'Or highlight moment. I'm not exaggerating either. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal finish. And that, it, without putting a down on Neil Harris too much, it makes you question if you've got Bradshaw, who is that sharp, mm. that fit and that clinical, because even when he's come off the bench, he's been scoring. Why hasn't he been starting? Why hasn't he been starting? Why weren't the team given the instructions to play that high tempo from the front backwards? Why weren't they given the confidence to go out and do that? Because that's all Adam Barrett's done. I mean, you know, um, Aaron and I met him after the, after the game. We did the little um, press conference thing down by the pitch side. And he's a lovely bloke. Whether he's a football manager in the making is probably an open question at this stage. Certainly on, on Saturday's um, evidence, you think he's probably got the ingredients for it. Whether at Millwall or somewhere else, yeah, he's, he's going to be, you know, inexperienced. But that was a Neil Harris team playing what once was were Neil Harris tactics because we have played with that high tempo pressing style in the past with a team that was, you know was 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 constructed by Neil Harris and it was all you know I've written on the notes in was that Neil Harris's last performance because although he wasn't there he was there really because that was that was his team and that was the way they could have played all season why they weren't is another question I. I, I I don't know. Um, I, I just think sometimes the the thinking becomes you know um, becomes a bit of a cul-de-sac, and maybe you yeah. can think your way out of the of the, of the spot you put in. Um, it, it 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 does make you think, doesn't it? Because I mean, like we're saying about the tactics, everything like that. It's when when managers go or managers who who feel that they've done their time or are sacked or whatever reason they go and everyone thinks, you know, they're taking as far as we can go. The next game, let's be honest, teams tend to do well, but then they don't sort of talk positively about the manager. So when when Mourinho left Man United and Solskjaer came in or you had the caretaker, you know, no one spoke about how great manager Mourinho was, etc. But it's strange how the tactics were completely different. The style of play was completely different. Everything was different to a Neil Harris performance. Yet there was videos released saying about you know how important Neil was to the club. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does it, it does make the mind boggle slightly, if I'm honest. Well, I mean, Adam Barrett turned around and said that when it was announced, and and you know on the Thursday that there was people at the training ground crying, there were tears everywhere on Friday. I can morning. believe that. I can believe that. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's any Millwall fans actually happy. They're happy that the that the kind of um, the, the period of dull football has, has come to an end. I, I think what happened with Neil Harris is, and this happens probably to all football managers in the end, it, it takes a rare individual. And you talk about probably the, the only the greats that can preside over one football club for such a long period of time with with any success. So by the greats, I'm probably thinking of at Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. who else is there, um, can preside for that long. Um, and yet somehow retain um, retain that verve and energy because what seems to happen with managers, and I think this is what happened with Neil Harris, is they become boxed in by fear and you, you go out to not lose a game rather than to go out and win it. So, yeah. you know, you go back to the great teams, you know, the United in their pomp, Liverpool in their pomp, Arsenal when they were, when they were on, on top for a while. 
they teams worried about them. You know, the great Mill teams. Teams did not. We didn't go out to contain the opposition. We let them worry about Millwall coming out in front of um, 15,000 fans at the Den. That's kind of what we got served up on Saturday. 16,000 in the Den. Maximum atmosphere. Mill playing high-tempo football from the front backwards. It's a very hard thing to, 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 to contain. And I just think Neil became fearful. Mm. And when, It's like anything in life. When you become fearful, you don't work, you know, operate at your best. I, th- I think one thing, one thing we've got to say, Nick, is that, you know, in... This division, which is basically a hotbed of soccer manager, soccer manager, soccer manager, soccer yeah. manager. I mean, you look at it yesterday, there were two. I think Reading got rid of Jose Gomez, Barnsley sacked. Um, Stendhal, Stendhal, Stendhal didn't they? They didn't sack him, but he... he, he He's gone, basically. Yeah. He, he left, and I think he had, um, he had a party uh, with, with, with some Barnsley fans, which is actually absolutely brilliant. You know, you look at the ambition of clubs and, and where they are and sort of how how sort of quickly they're willing to pull the trigger. I mean, yeah. in reality, Neil Harris got a good good old run at it. He got a really good run at it. Oh, got, got a very fantastic long run. run. Yeah, very very good run, especially by today's standards. I mean, I always used to I always used to chuckle to myself when when a manager would uh, or when the sort of longest serving manager would get sacked or when there'd be a stat that would say like um, or not not chuckle they get sacked. Uh, I'll continue, but when. He'd say like Neil Harris, longest-serving manager, 18 months, or Eddie Howe when he was, you know, when he went back to Bournemouth. Eddie Howe, longest-serving Premier League manager, two years, three months. And you think, in the day-to-day world outside of football, to be in a job for two years, you're still semi, still relatively new. That's right, you're yeah, still learning it. Exactly, exactly. So, so for a manager to get four years, and let's be honest, apart from that season where we. Uh, when we finished eighth, you know, the, the start to the campaign of League One when he was first appointed, people were calling for his head, or sections were calling for his head within 10 games. You know, we shouldn't have appointed Harris. He won't get us out of League One. And then, you know, he's, he's had a few moments where he's, he's flirted with relegation, where a lot of the time um, other managers in other clubs would have been gone. I mean, if we, we spoke about Gary Rowett as a, as a possible contender. He seems to, be the, uh, seems to be the hot ticket at the moment, doesn't he, Gary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but, but remember, he, he got sacked when he, when he was in fifth place with Birmingham and, uh, you know, Birmingham weren't happy. Achtung, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I, I, I generally don't think we're the kind of club, nor are we the kind of fan base. I really hope we're not the kind of fan base that would demand for a manager to be sacked when they're in fifth place in the league going for the playoffs. Or there's been others. I mean, you know, players that haven't achieved um, automatic uh, management, achieved automatic, have been sacked for, and what's what you might call the the, the, the being spoiled by success. The idea Jack of a Ross right of to Sunderland. be. I mean, Jack, Jack Ross of Sunderland just smells of Sunderland feeling entitled to be out of league. Yeah, what? yeah, mm. and that, that, yeah. That, I, I really hope that we never fall into that trap because. You know, in fairness to Neil Harris, you know, the football last season was pretty dreary. We just about escaped relegation by the skin of our teeth. And this season was all the football again has been dreary. And we, it was shaping up to be, you know, part another season like we did last last year. So for that reason, I think he went with, with, with honour and went with dignity. He, he, he clearly seen that he couldn't go any further. And that was very much the um, the feeling of the fan base. So we'd reached a logical conclusion, but we're not like, um, I really hope we're never going to get into that kind of situation just described there where Rowett was um, sacked at Birmingham from in fifth place. I, I think that other clubs have done similar things in the past. But I mean, what we can't expect someone like Gary Rowett and uh, the six to five betting on, on the uh, on the Paddy Power list that I looked at earlier on, it may have changed now, but um, I, I don't think we can expect that same degree of Millwall uh, loyalty. And that may be a good thing and it may be a bad thing because I sometimes wonder whether Neil Harris being steeped in Millwall, whether that was both a strength and a weakness at the same time because, you know, there, there was an emphasis on a, on a Millwall type player. Um, you know, um, do we need that? Is, do, do you need a special quality to play at the den or do you just need to be someone that, that plays to the best of your ability? I, I don't know. Well, you know. It'd be an interesting change to bring someone in completely from the outside because you know for some time now with with neil and and you know manager jacket being of the previous good example we've 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 kind of looked inwards rather than outwards i just wonder whether it's time to now bring someone in that can actually add something to the club bring a just, raise the standards just looking at um I mean, the options now, there's three championship jobs available. Um, yeah. Now, and yeah. I mean, the names floating around are absolutely crazy. You've got three championship jobs and the League One job available. Um, Millwall, I mean, the current odds with our current betting partner who we don't have one. Actually, if you want to be a betting partner, give me a get I get tapped up every now and again. I get messages in my inbox on Twitter from the most obscure betting companies wanting to do a, a tie-in with us. I, I don't I don't think the listeners want to listen to a regular betting slot, in my opinion. It's, it's, but... it's, it's, it's like it's like Daffer Bet who sponsors all these Oh, mate. I tell oh, you right. that who has actually genuinely bet with Daffer Bet before? I mean... I... I don't. I, I, like they're based in like the Philippines, but yeah, go on. I generally don't have a problem with people having a bet. I've been brought up in a household to bet on horse racing, dog racing. I know what betting is, and I, I don't restrict anyone. I don't think anyone would have listened to it as part, listen to it as part of a, a podcast. If you tune into this show for any reason at all, listeners, I think you want to listen to a bit of football and related talk, not to have someone's advertising for staying your throat any more than you have to to get the show. So, if any any uh, betting companies are listening to it. 
don't bother me. I, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I'm not interested in your money. It's not, it's give not a lot give of that, me a yeah. Michael a shout. We'll do well with the sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll be like, you know that... Um, Aaron and Michael don't have less. Yeah, they're more interested in that than me. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know those. Um, you know those bits in Wayne's World where Wayne and Garth are like opening pizza boxes and it's got pizza right on it, that kind of thing. That'll be us. We'll sit us down the gym with Daffy Bet t-shirts. Mate, no, 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 Husky Bet, Husky Bet, Husky Bet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What's the odds on actually getting a Husky chocolate in the UK? There you go. That's uh, good. We have to have an advert to pay for the show because that's what Acast do. But I wouldn't have any adverts. But there we are. Enough of that. Um, oh. Gary Gary Rowett. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't have any problem with Gary Rowett. I was reading up on him earlier on. He's he's had some success at um, Birmingham. Was it Derby? He took them to, and mm-hmm. Burton. He's taken them to to, to you know various levels. Burton was back to back to back to back promotions. Not back to back to back, but it was back to back. Yeah. League one, League one to the championship. So you know, he seems like a fairly. Solid choice. I don't have a problem with him. Um, and we're not going to get anyone that's really... I mean, the, the exciting names are the ones that you know are going to be disastrous. You know, I mean, the, 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 looking at the Tim Cahill, 12 to 1 on, on Paddy Powers. Listen, Kevin, Kevin Musket. Stephen <laughs> Reed. Stephen Reed is Stephen Reed's interesting. Like, you know what? Mm. Tim, because apparently he's gone... He's been, he's coached at Crystal Palace and he's coached at Wimbledon. Yeah. Assistants. And they all love him, and he's left after every gig. And I just wonder if he's looking for maybe an opportunity to take a, a, a you know, a, a main job. Stephen Reid, I mean, Roy Keane at the Den would just be, oh, wow, wow. It would be, I don't know. I mean, it, it, Roy, Roy Keane, the player, I admire tremendously. He was one of the best midfielders I've, I've ever seen play. And, he, he, you know, we saw him a few times when we were in Division One. Um, I think he was playing for the Forest then, and obviously went on to bigger and better things with, with United. Great, great player, an immense player. Uh, as a manager, um, there seems to be, uh, he doesn't seem to be at the, the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm sorry, the most, the most empathetic man manager oh. that there is. And he demands the same high levels that he set himself. And that's, that's both a good thing, but it's how you achieve that can be destructive. And I, I always get a sense he's, he's, his managerial career crashes and burns because of that, Lack of empathy. Well, with, I mean, with, he's, he's got got gone. What I was, I was about no, to say. No, sorry, his, sorry. His career, I, was, but... I, was, I was just, I was just going to say with the, um, with the King thing. Apparently, when he was at Ipswich, he would do things in training, show him how to do something. But like you were saying, Nick, with his high standards, he obviously didn't realise, or he probably realised it, but again, didn't care that people weren't at his level. So no. when he could, hit, when he could hit a thirty-yard pass or like you know, do this bruising slide tackle or anything like that, he couldn't comprehend why a professional footballer weren't able to do that as well. Rather than work on the strengths of the other, like your teammates or those you pick, yeah. he would berate them. And that, that would be, I'm not being funny, there's, there's a lot of middle players who can't make a five-yard pass, let alone a 30-yard pass, so he'll be disastrous at the moment. I think you, I think the thing with Keane, and you get a sense of it when you watch him on on, on the punditry on, on TV, is that he, he demands, rightly, rightly demands um not perfection but it demands maximum commitment to the cause and that's that would find great favor with the mill um support which also commits maximum effort to the cause um but i think it comes back to what you've just said there michael not not many players very few players can play at his level and i think he just slightly lacks that ability to understand that not everyone is roy king and can be roy king 
Um, I think in a different way, Glenn Hoddle used to suffer from this because he could do things with the football that others couldn't. Um, and yeah. I think that sometimes it leads to a distance. And, you know, um, I, I suppose what I'm thinking with Roy Keane is that he's played under some truly great managers. He played under Brian Clough and then under Sir Alex Ferguson, both of whom, um, you know, were, were perhaps the greatest managers in the game in the last 50, 60 years, perhaps. And so he's got much to give. And I, I think he, he has a huge amount he can pass on to players. But there's a certain there's a certain screw loose, isn't there, in in, in the makeup. Mm. I I can't picture him at the den. I just can't. I think it'd be a disaster. Well, there you go. He's um he's second favourite. I don't I don't know what betting partner's given us that. Adam Barrett's in there. Tim Cahill. Yeah, uh, Cahill. Cahill. Interesting. Um, I don't think he's qualified as a coach. I don't know if that. I don't know if you can be a manager unless you have qualifications. Is that is that? I, I think I think you can as long as you've got your sort you you're showing evidence that you've got your coaching right. badges because I think that's what is isn't that right Aaron what happened with Southgate when he got the Middlesbrough job? Yeah, you he starts the badges and then you've got to go and you've got to go on and sort of complete him. I can't see Cahill being given it, you know. Uh, I I don't sort of see the point of giving it to Cahill. No, I I don't see Tim. I mean, when he came to the squad. Um, Two seasons ago now, wasn't it? When he, when we signed him, and it was like the last, the last, um, the, the last footballing job of his career. I thought that was that was great. Um, his playing contribution was minimal, apart from a forearm smash on the Fulham player when he came on in the in that final Fulham game. He did a great final forearm smash on him. Um, what, what would he be like as a manager? He, he would bring glamour. He would bring a contact book second to none. Uh, maybe only Keane could match him for contacts. Um, whether that, whether that would encourage anyone to come to the den, I, I don't know. Um, clearly, he's played at a high level, so he would not, he would understand, you know, how to how to set a team out. But you just get a sense that it, it you just get a sense that that's a glamour appointment rather than an actual sensible appointment. Whereas a Rowett has got some body of, of work behind him, and it makes it makes more sense for someone like a Rowett or possibly some of the other names at the bigger prices. I mean, we've re- mentioned Reed. Um, Musket, I don't know. I mean, we can only judge him as a player. I don't know what he's like managing in Australia, but you know, if if, if we're criticising Keane for having a screw loose, then we've probably got to um, say say that the uh, the actual uh, the engine itself is loose. In, in I Kevin mean, Musket's we, we, case, we, and we... we had like conversations, sort of, you know, on WhatsApp and whatnot. We talked about the the different options, and and I've sort of categorised it into into sort of three ways. You can either go for the 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 complete sort of merry-go-round of manager, yeah. Both as someone you know who is brand new, i.e. a Cahill or an Adam Barrett or someone of that ilk, or you can go for a manager who's looking to rebuild his stock. And Chris Coleman in at twenty to one, you know, isn't a bad shout. A lot of people obviously concerned that he got Sunderland relegated, but then again, you always expected Sunderland to get relegated. They were shit. They were so bad it hurt. You know, um, Cookie Coleman. Rowett, I think, fits into that category. I'm surprised Paul Clement's name hasn't been chucked about a bit more. I'm really surprised. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got I got told told off for suggest, suggesting him, and um, I don't think he's such a mad suggestion as, as some of the other names that are seemingly shorter rods prices. Um, I just look, I just found the the website, thesackrace.com, is where I got those odds from. Uh, so David Daniel Stendhal now has just left Barnsley's 12s apparently with Bet Victor. I mean. It, 
there's, there's a certain pin the tail on the donkey quality of some of this because you know Joey Barton twenty five to one. I mean Slavin Bilic at twenty five to one. I'm surprised Adkins hasn't been in. You know Adkins is in there. Yeah, twenty five to one. They, they, so quite quite long odds for for Nigel Adkins. Uh, yeah, I, I think going back to your point, Aaron, what you were saying about um like the row it and all these managers. I think that mm. and also sort of what you were saying as well before Nick about the the culture of football now, there seems to be so many managers who are judged by their last job, if you get what I mean. It's like, it's like you were just saying there, Aaron, a good point about Coleman. Everyone's like, oh, they just remember what he did at Sunderland and how bad they were. And like, Rowett, oh, they just remember what he's like at Stoke and everything like this. But again, you got, like, people got to remember that Coleman took a Gareth Bauer side average Welsh team to the semi, was it the semi-final of the Euros? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he took a he took a Welsh team that was on its knees after the passing of Gary Speed, and he he sort of got them back up and built them again. And it sort of goes into that Mark Hughes category because I'm seeing a lot of things at the moment with Mark Hughes being like a poor choice for Reading if he ends up going there or wherever it is. But everyone's judging Mark Hughes by that sort of QPR managerial experience. They're not they're not looking at the well. Mark Hughes took. Uh, Blackburn Rovers to the top six. Like, you know, they, he took Fulham to their highest position when he was there, and you know, he he was the one who managed to get some good players who who got sort of a quite a legendary status at Man City to the club, like the Vincent Companies and the Yaya Torres and all these. So that's why when people say row it or they say people like that, I, I think we'll actually give them a chance because everyone's focusing too much on that Stoke job, which Nathan Jones who at the time when he was at Luton, was the most sought-after manager in the lower leagues. He's still everyone's in a job, at... by the way. He's still going, yeah. He's yeah. still, still going, but, but everyone's, everyone's forgetting what he did at Luton purely on this Stoke job. Now, at the end of last season, he came out and said, "I this this Stoke team have got players who think they're too good. These players, This Stoke team's got players who don't want to be here. They think they're Premier League players. I've got to weed them out. He was starting to do that. He's still got a rebuild to do, but people are still saying, well, he should get sacked at the bottom of the league. They're not saying he's still got a rebuild to do. But going back to what you were saying as well, sorry if I'm just going on a bit of a point here, but you were saying about the managers who want to rebuild the reputation. That's why I think someone you said before, Aaron, in Karanka would be a fantastic appointment. Karanka, I've just seen, is uh, 25 to 1, according to Bet Victor, Ator Karanka. Um, and Mark Hughes was on the list as well, but at 33, 33 to 1. I mean, some of it goes off into the twilight zone at a certain stage, doesn't it? Um, it depends. I mean, just, I think we touched on this last week, which was a show we made up pretty much on, on the hoof. Like, we don't make all these up on the hoof. But anyway, um, last, I mean, I, I just think it's what kind of club does Mill want to be? Because in a way, what Neil Harris created... And we saw it last Saturday after the the the, the kind of you know the, the the burden being lifted of the weight of of the season so far being lifted from our shoulders. In a way, that was what I think Millwall fans want the club to be. We're we're not a, we're not a fancy club. We, we're not going to go spending fortunes on players. We're not going to throw money around like it's going out of fashion. But you had a fairly you know a, a, an honest squad of players. That whole team played to the, the absolute best of their ability. They're all players that you can, you feel like you can talk to and relate to. And, you know, there are some of the Millwall fans within the, within, within the team, Ben Thompson being a, the biggest example. And that's a team that the, the Millwall support can relate to. It plays football, fast, speedy, tie-tackling, committed football. That's what we want. And, the, you know, 
do we want to become a kind of a a, a a play around the back and knock it about kind of club like like we see so many of? I don't think we've got the, the fan base that would, would support that kind of football in any any long term. But I think we will support fast-paced defensive football. So which manager will produce that? Who's going to be the best at coming up with that? That'd be my first question if I was on the interview panel, the, the mill, you know, in the mill interviews. Well. Are you, are you going to speak we shall see. Holloway, Nick. Oh, Holloway. Yeah. Been... He's on the list. He's 33 to 1 to make a comeback. <laughs> Achtung, Mehlball. Um, Ian Holloway, um, he's been trying to, he's tr- clearly trying to rehabilitate his image. He's, he's doing a lot more media work. He's done an interview with, um, I think that was with the Sack Race. Dot com. You can find it on online. Um, I, I, I think he, I think he's trying to soften his his image a little bit with his, his period at Mill, which was disastrous. I mean, I, it was the most. Um, all, all management in the end comes to some kind of juddering halt. We we know that. Um, the last one I can think of, like the end of of Ian Holloway, was. Michael, I don't know if you remember Mark McGee when he went. That there was the, yeah. the crowd. The crowd mm. turned quite. Uh, and I mean, obviously, we had the Lomas thing uh, where the crowd turned, but that was a, that was probably a shorter burst of management. But to see a, a manager hounded out of the club like we did with with Ian Holloway is, is quite something. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often and on that level. Uh, and I think it's it's quite a sight for those who haven't experienced it before in other clubs. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the classic car park gathering. Um, you know, you, you know when it's happening. The crowd turns inside the stadium. Um, the, the, the car park turns into a kind of a security zone. The police and the and the right squad are on hand, ready to go, and you know that the manager's going to be gone fairly soon because it just it can't be tolerated. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen, you know all about it. And and, and Holloway, I think was I think one of his quotes was that he, he said he was he took the job too soon, but somehow it, um, Mill came you know came came a, a flattering and, and offered him offered him the money and and, and he took the took the role. Um, I just find Ian Holloway um, trying to think of the least libelous words I can. I've got to stand by this potentially. I just think there's something of an empty shell about the man. I, I, I was never impressed with him as a as a football manager. Um, his teams never looked authentic, and there's some there's a lack of authenticity to him. On the one occasion I met him, I just I, I asked myself, would I follow this man into the trenches? Um, having heard him do his executive lounge pre-match speech that he used to do, and I just thought, no, he's a bumptious little upstart. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take him seriously. And I didn't think of him as a leader of men at that point. And um, events, events proved me right. So, um, if you want to want to listen to this stuff, it's on online. You can find it. Um, I, I just, I think he's trying to get himself back into work again. I think he's yeah. had enough of the had enough of the media. He's trying to get back into a job. I don't ever talk sport, Louis. Um, <sighs> moving on. Uh, where 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 are we time wise? Are we getting on top? Oh shit! Look oh. at the top. Um, well, should we have a club shop with... update? Yeah, let's have a club shop update. My before. Before we do that, shall we just mention Lee Dolby's? Is he from the Dolby Surround Sound family? <laughs> I think he's from the he's from the from the former Millwall striker uh, Tony Dolby, wasn't it? Who played for the, the Lions? Tony Dolby, that's a name. 
Yeah, that's a long time ago. And I think Lee Dolby. Um, I'll, re- I'll just do this before you do your club shot up update, Michael. Because um, I just we've, I've actually held it over from last week's show. I just think it's you know this this is a club that's um, you know that wants to start redeveloping the area, the Bermondsey area, and play with the property big boys, and yet it can't organise. The, the club shop can't organise num- the numbers for Lee Dolby to get his, his son, who was a mascot at Huddersfield a few weeks ago. He couldn't get the numbers to have Matt Smith number 10 on his shirt. So <laughs> they'd run out of numbers. <laughs> pure, pure fabrication. Don't believe it. <laughs> so Lee posted this on Twitter. And I have no reason to disbelieve Lee. And I have every reason to believe this is the truth, because we all know the club shop. Um, Lee had to shoot down to Charlton to buy the numbers to bring back to the Millwall shop for them to print number 10 Smith on the back of his boy's shirt so he could wear that up at Huddersfield. And in fact, there's a really nice video of his little boy doing a, uh, you know, geeing up the players as they come off with, with the said shirt number Matt Smith on, on his back. So that's, that's not the most damning thing. A club shop that runs out of numbers uh, and letters for their, for their, for their shirts. Is, I, I don't or, know or, is. or never had them in the first place. Never had them in the first I, place. I, I popped in on, on Saturday. <laughs> it looked like, you know, one of them sort of, Art galleries, like a pop-up art gallery with white walls everywhere. <laughs> Shit sporadically spread everywhere. Like, I mean, like, it was just, it was just a bit dodge, really. It was like, there's just, like, usually when you see club shops, they're like sort of amalgamations of crests everywhere. Like, yeah. You know, you know, sort of like everything screen printed onto places. And it's just a bit bland, really. It is utter, utter shit. It always has been. How dare you? Seemingly always will be. How dare you? But let's run the um let's run the, let's run the music. Away you go, Michael. Club shop update. Here we go, here we go, everyone. Thank you, Neil Harris, for ruining last week, but it's back this week. <laughs> so so the um the clues in the title of what this one is, everyone, the gift voucher ten pounds. Gift voucher, okay. So are you having trouble knowing what to get your little one from the club shop? Well Matt Lee Dolby did, yeah. That's yep. for sure. Sorry, Dolby. Would you feel slightly embarrassed buying the oversized darts playing woman in your life another oversized top, but want yeah. to give her the opportunity to do it herself? Absolutely. You would. And has the limited stock levels, Aaron, as you were talking about, forced you to settle just for a piece of rectangular paper? <laughs> yeah, that's next birthday, Christmas and Hanukkah. Sorted. There we are. Well, if the answer to any of these is yes, then get to the middle club shop where you can be the owner of a gift voucher, £10. Oh, they're doing vouchers. There you go. Well, um, Nick, this is for you. Imagine your wife's beaming face when she opens yeah. a meal birthday card, which is also from the personalised section of the club of shop, course, yeah. to see this wonderful and thoughtful present you have bought her for her next visit to Zampa Road. Wonderful and thoughtful be the first words on her lips when she got this meal exactly. club shop um, £10 gift voucher. Please note, <laughs> I am currently not in stock. Yes, you heard it right. A piece of printed <laughs> paper is not in stock. They can't even get the gift vouchers sorted out. <laughs> no, because the printer's run out of ink. <laughs> oh my god, almighty! They can't even get the gift vouchers printer's sorted. Run out of ink, so you know. So should I do the next one then, boys? Yeah, I take cool. on the... yeah, please do. Please, please. The, um, so even if you you haven't got your gift vouchers, but so anyway, let's let's imagine you have. Are you going to go for a Millwall eighteen eighty five holder? That that is that breaking. I've seen that brand on another video channel somewhere 1885 holdall are you struggling for somewhere to put your 10 inch zampa your, yeah. your, your singular flip flop yeah you have the one flip flop and the golf glove that has the magic ball maker 
If the answer to these questions are yes, then pack up your troubles in your old kit bag with a state-of-the-art Mill 1885 Holdall from the Mill Club shop. A fantastic bargain price of 25 quid. You two can be the owner of a bag that looks like it's come from, oh, there's a picture of it, um, owner of a bag that looks like it's come straight off the production line of Mike Ashley's, Mike Ashley's business empire of a Mill logo, logo on it. Note, item not currently in stock. If you have a holiday book, so make sure you order it as soon as possible. So there's a seven-day lead time. Just having a look at it. Not bad. Holdall. Um, 25 quid? Seems a lot for 25. 20, uh, yeah, that's a lot of lot of that's a lot of big price for 25 pounds. If it was on the apprentice, you'd be saying, I'd want 9.99 for that, really. That that would seem a good price for that holdall. But it is out of stock and, and um all the time seven days. So even if you did want it, you can't get it. Um, the Milwaukee, the 85 Holdall. There we are. Yeah. Go, go, go down Elephant and Castle Market and you'll be able to get something sort of similar. Absolutely. Aaron, you're going to take the knitted jacket? No, no, no. You know my rule in this one, Nick. I always save them. You know, I, I don't right. I don't open the document pile because I just I enjoy, you know, sort of the... It's it's like, you know, the old news at 10 thing. If you don't want to see the scores, look away now. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the Millwall knitted jacket. I'm going to seize the next item and grab it for myself. Summer chaps and listeners is over and those cold wet nights are upon us but never fear the Millwall club shop is the place to be for the top of the range designer autumn clothing um it is well it's it's a zip up knitted knitted jacket um it's it's all right it's all right not bad um for the amazing bargain price of 30 quid i'd want to see i'd want to see it and feel it and hold it before i'm passing my 30 pounds but anyway that's got got a 33.33 percent reduction that's 15 quid off the original 45 pounds. That's, that's a lot. 45 pounds, a lot 45 for that. 45 pounds for a jump. Uh, you can be the proud owner of the very latest navy jacket with Millwall emblazoned over the heart. Note, items not currently in stock. <laughs> can we have the theme tune to surprise, surprise, Silla Black on? Boom. <laughs> not in stock. Um, so maybe we can postpone the autumn for a few weeks until we get that in stock. Who knows? Yeah, and uh, and and as it says there, just what you need for autumn and winter, wool. Wool, <laughs> a wool jacket. Mm-hmm. Last one on the list then is, is is another gift voucher, Michael. You want to take this one? Yes, yes, I will. So, the younger sister of gift voucher ten pounds is gift voucher five pounds. So, Aaron, <laughs> are you still finding it hard to get anything from the club shop at all, including yeah. a vac- gift voucher ten pounds? <laughs> can you find it difficult to believe that the club shop do not have a printed piece of paper with £10 written on it I told you man, it's the, ink. the ink is ex- <laughs> they ain't got no toner I suppose but have, but have you come to the conclusion very Da Vinci Code that maybe buying two £5 gift vouchers could be the answer well that would that would add up yeah, yeah, yeah sure. indeed well if the answer for these is a resounding you're right Michael then get online and get ordering the gift voucher five pound from the online store. I can't no. believe. What's Can't it next? Not in stock. It's October the tenth now, chaps, isn't it? So Christmas is, is is what two months away. You'd want to get your gift voucher market ready and in place. Any normal emporium would have a gift voucher market ready to go, really, because this is going to be the kind of um, the next few weeks will be critical for the Christmas market, really, aren't they? Um, and I, I know, I'm mean, the other thing, I, I, I'm, no, I'm no retail shark, but I do know that gift vouchers, professionally done, tend to have a, a, a kind of a code 
the coding process. You can't just can't just photocopy them and, and um, you know take a ten and give out a photocopy bit of paper with ten pound written on it. You're thinking about this too much. Am I overthinking it? Because no. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise people go away and photocopy the gift voucher a few times. This is meant to be a parody section, Nick. <laughs> so sharp. <laughs> no, 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 please continue. But it shouldn't. I mean, it, oh, it shouldn't be. This should be normal stuff for a, for a retailer. Gift vouchers. There are companies out that will do this for you. You know, they, 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 you don't have to. You, they will lay this on for you, won't they? I mean, it, it can be done. Um, I just find the whole club shop is it's endlessly, it's endlessly useless. It's, it's incredible. But anyway, there we are. Can I conclude the show? Thank you for doing Please that, do. Michael. Well, no, no, conc- you're welcome. More, more, um, more, more uh, club shop update next week. Can yeah. I conclude the show? Because we probably probably want to um, crack along, chaps. Um, the NHL, the National Hockey League, um, Philadelphia Flyers have introduced a, a fine idea. I thought maybe we could bring this into the den, which is a rage room, a rage room. Somebody can go and um, exhaust your rage in, in whether that be on on the, you know on the manager or on a player or the performance you've just seen. But they they go in, they've, they've put together a rage room where you can go in there and smash up stuff like TVs, dishware, bottles, and guitars. You can smash a guitar up in there. With a variety of tools, including baseball bats, sledgehammers, and hockey, ice hockey sticks. Um, I was just thinking, what what kind of things we could have in the middle rage room? We could certainly have like a punch bag, couldn't we? With um, perhaps Ian Holloway's um, face printed on it. You could punch mm. punch your way through Ian Holloway, or um, you know, managers from well, the past. Well, the, uh, the NHL are obviously just following the example of the venue on a Saturday night. <laughs> maybe, 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 um, maybe YouTube podcasts so you can put them on there so you can take it out. <laughs> back. Possibly. It's <laughs> probably a good time to call the call the show yeah. to quit something. <laughs> very, very quickly on um, World Mental Health Day. Just want to see say, chaps. Um, you know that a lot of people listen to to podcasts and radio just to they sort do. of get away from things. So if we if we're making a difference, then you know. Just let us know. Keep 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 on listening. If we if we can be of any help, then you know that's what we want to be. So um, yeah, you know, ask twice. I think is the, is the hashtag everyone's using. Absolutely, absolutely. Good, good, call. Yeah. good call. Good call. Yeah, uh, it leaves me to say, and it was delightful to hear this man's wonderful dulcet tones on Saturday. Um, yeah, we, we, we'll catch you uh, next week. International break. Nick, you watching anything this week? Where are you off to this week? Anything? Uh, nothing Nothing planned for this week. So I might watch England play Friday night, don't they, I think. So I might might uh, take the chance to watch that. And I think, is it Friday and Monday for the England fixtures? I can't yeah. remember how it, how it runs. But no, I'll, I'll certainly watch England. Maybe one or two of the others. I always keep half an eye on Gibraltar just to see how Gibraltar are doing as well. So I think oh, they're, playing, they're playing he's, tonight. Um, he's, he's one-eighth Gibraltar breeze. Listeners. I, I do have some. I do have some swarthy blood in me. I don't know. I've always wondered which particular ship, uh, the Surrey Docks, one of my ancestors must have come from, because um, I, 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 I do have some swarthiness in me. So that's true. For for me, for me, it's um, it's, it's all about the Chipolina footballing dynasty, uh, because there's about seven generations of the Chipolina family, um, who who insist on like playing for Gibraltar, even though they're like in their forties. It's just, it's just, it's just fun to watch. Um, Michael, you off to anywhere this weekend, Michael? No, no, no. Taking it easy, as Nick says. I'll be watching the uh, Friday and Monday games. Yeah. And just taking it, put, putting the feet up, and looking for more stuff in the club shop. Well, if anyone fancies it, I've got a couple of spaces. But I'm off to Exeter versus Newport. So, Exeter Newport. 
Yeah, Radio he Five again. Nice you know, trip down to uh, trip down to Exeter on Saturday morning. They're more than welcome to jump in. Pass <laughs> on that, mate. Sorry, I'll catch you. I'll catch you soon. <laughs> See yourself, uh, Mike Wavery. That leaves you to say. Bye for now. Oh, ho, Bermondsey, that's home to me. I'm longing for a moment when I shall see the happy laughing razor slashed faces of the people I love. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. And how I miss the smell of the gasworks and the people I love. I've so many childhood memories of that quaint old-fashioned town. There was a quaint old-fashioned schoolhouse till the school kids burned it down. I'm off to Bermondsey. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.